You're listening to Love, Maine Radio with Dr. Lisa Belial, recorded in the studio of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Dr. Lisa Belial is a physician trained in family and preventative medicine, acupuncture, and public health. She offers medical care and acupuncture at Brunswick Family Medicine. Read more about her integrative approach to wellness in Maine Magazine. Love, Maine Radio is available for download free on iTunes. See the Love Maine Radio Facebook page or www.lovemainradio.com for details. Now here are a few highlights from this week's program. Putting a container ship here, providing access to 350 million plus market in Europe is going to be very cost effective for Maine businesses. It really is all about getting Maine recognized as a global player on the economic side and also as an important place in terms of representing the U.S. and being open to international groups. I think in terms of the younger students, when parents are looking for a place to send their kids to school, they'll look at Maine and it's, it's a good choice. It's a safe place to send their kids. They know they'll be well educated and they'll get lots of fresh air and outdoor time. Love Maine Radio is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Harding Lee Smith of The Rooms, and Bangor Savings Bank. This is Dr. Lisa Belisle, and you are listening to Love, Maine Radio, show number 168, Maine, Iceland, and the World Beyond, airing for the first time on Sunday, November 30th, 2014. Have you seen the name Imskip on Portland's waterfront? Transporting inbound items such as German chocolate and outbound products like Maine blueberries, this Icelandic-based company has provided a boost to the Maine economy, one that will continue to strengthen as we maximize our international exposure. Today we speak with Imskip Station Manager Peter Peterson, Janine Carey, President and State Director of International Trade at the Maine International Trade Center, and Dana Eidsness, Director of the Maine North Atlantic Development Office. Thank you for joining us. Having lived outside the city of Portland for most of my life, I am somewhat familiar with the Portland waterfront, and so when something new comes along, it's of great interest to me. Today we have an individual with us on Love, Maine Radio that's going to talk about some of the new things that are happening along the Portland waterfront. This is Peter Peterson, who is Ameskip's Portland Station Manager. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. People who are driving on the um, on the Casco Bay Bridge who look down um, towards the water on the Portland side, they see big containers that now say that say Aimskip. It's E I M S K I P. Absolutely. And you pronounced it right. Thank you. Um, what does that mean? And who 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 are you? And where do you come from? Well, Aimskip uh, was founded as the Icelandic Steamship Company in 1914, uh, with participation of about uh, 20% of the population. It was part of our, us uh, gaining uh, more independence. Uh, we were we were then currently ruled by the Danish Danish Crown and uh, they controlled all shipping to and from the island of Iceland. So in 1914, the, 
this was this happened and the Icelandic steamship company Eimskipafélag Ísland was founded. What is the relationship between well why is there a relationship between Portland and Iceland? Why did that become important? I know Sophie Nelson has written about this in Old Port magazine, but tell me more about that. Well, basically the reason why we why Eimskip moved to Portland was a, basically a simple business decision. Uh, we had been looking for an opportunity to find a, a, a future place in New England. Amesgib had been sailing. Our first sailing to the U.S. was in 1915. We had called on ports like New York, Richmond, uh, Norfolk, uh, Boston. And uh, uh, two years ago, we were still sailing to Norfolk. That was predominantly started because of we started there because there was a navy base in in Iceland and we moved uh, a lot of uh, goods for the navy to to uh, to uh, Iceland and that's why we went down to Norfolk and then we went to Everett in Massachusetts in Boston in the Boston area and uh, <clears throat> we needed to find a way to cut down on uh, or or just reduce this to one port of call in the US we looked at other options. We looked at staying in Everett. We looked at uh, <clears throat> going to another port. And then Portland was here and was ready. Uh, it's, uh, we can go over the story a little bit if you want me to continue just t- telling you about that. Well, so the state of Maine had invested a lot of money and a lot of effort into providing or, or creating the facility that you see today. And, uh, of course, they had been trying to find, uh, find uh, customers, so to speak. Uh, and uh, we had been looking at another port that was south of Boston. And then Portland came up. And uh, they actively pursued to get Amesgip here. And uh, we came here and saw the infrastructure was good. Uh, the port was more or less ready for us. They're, of course, they were very willing to do some more infrastructure changes. We do move a lot of uh, temperature-controlled cargo, so there needed to be uh, facilit- that needed to be facilitated with uh, electrical plugs, etc., and uh, some changes with warehousing and other stuff. So, <clears throat> when all that was said and done, it was it was a perfect match for us. It was uh, good for a little small niche carrier like we are, and. Uh, we decided to start sailing here in March of 2013. I believe that the Scotia Prince used to be the um, used to run from Portland to Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, and that was the the big ferry dock. Mm-hmm. And I remember when they d- they did put all of this, um, they put a lot of investment into the Scotia Prince ferry terminal, and then the Scotia Prince left and, and stopped going back and forth. So clearly, it was important for Portland to bring business um, to its waterfront. How is it that some that a company from Iceland would find out about Portland, Maine? Well, uh, all ports they they go to shows and they advertise. It's not a huge, it's not a big world, so to speak, you know. So, so uh, when we had actually had one experience of coming here uh, way back in two thousand seven, if I if I remember, uh, that was with a service that. Basically, was for we were we were assisting somebody in, in some uh, another entity in that, but uh, that didn't work out, uh, <clears throat> and it was a totally different different uh, 
different situation there. Uh, I mean, we were changing our network. We were looking for a shorter uh, or, or a way to move our freight faster and shorter to to Europe and to Iceland. Uh, we were looking for a way to uh, open up new possibilities for us to gain uh, access to a market where where we could uh, grow the the so-called transatlantic business uh, and and. Uh, Portland was 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 just fit for that, and there's uh, there's huge growth potential here for us. Uh, we came here with our with our current freight. We were not here because we needed to find some business. Uh, we already had our current business. We had uh, we, we stayed with uh, that volume and growth and and grown. So, and our plan is to grow even further. Uh, but the main why we went went here was basically that uh, Imskip wanted to find that place uh, find it, find a place in in, in, uh, in uh, New England we wanted to shorten our transit time uh, we wanted to become be more competitive on the transatlantic market and therefore be able to increase our volume uh, we are in regards to our transit time to Iceland it was very important that we would we were going to reduce that uh, to provide the Icelandic market with better better service, uh, Portland had was ready with all the infrastructure, was was w- willing to work with us, and we just thought it was a fascinating place to to start in. What is the difference between um, going from Iceland to say Norfolk and Iceland and Portland? What's the difference in transit time or distance? Well, it takes about a day and a half or two days to sail down to Norfolk, <clears throat> something like that. Uh, so uh, it uh, it's it's quite a distance. Also, in Norfolk, uh, Norfolk is a very large port. It's in the center of, so to, so to speak, in the center of the north, of the of the east coast, and uh, a very large hub. And <clears throat> Eimskip is a small carrier, so. Our, our with our with our network of in the North Atlantic, sailing up the coast to, up to Canada as well, uh, then to Iceland and then connecting there and, and into the North North uh, European market, uh, basically didn't allow us any chance, real chance of getting any transatlantic freight. There was non Icelandic related. Uh, so uh, that on on top of us sailing down there for cost a lot of money, so we needed to find another place. So, so that's that's the reason, really. What I'm hearing then is that Portland was attractive because it is a little is is closer, um, doesn't take as long to get across the Atlantic, and also it's smaller, and and you were able to more immediately have access to um, to transportation that would get your goods to other places. Well, basically, <clears throat> as well, if you look at Maine and you see see where Maine is, and uh, uh, then then you you notice that if you are exporting out of Maine, you have a few options. You have an option to move your freight down to Boston, or you have an option to move your freight down to New York or up to Montreal. Uh, I mean, uh, that that just gives you a little bit of an idea that putting a a cargo 
uh, a container ship here providing access to 350 million plus market in Europe uh, is going to be very cost effective for main businesses. The cost of inland transportation in the U.S. is high. So we reduce that. Uh, we also provide access to a market that <clears throat> was maybe not accessible because of, because of the, the fact that the, the freight needed to go down to New York and be transported for uh, a lot of money. I mean, it cost, uh, cost a lot of money to move a, f a full container down to New York, for example. So <clears throat> what we are now providing is that uh, we're providing service for main companies, let's say to Rotterdam or Hamburg, giving you immediate access, access to, like we, we say, a 350 million people market with the cost uh, that is com maybe comparable with moving your freight down, uh, down, 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 down somewhere south. Uh, meaning if you're just looking at the domestic market. So if you're just looking at the domestic market, now you all of a sudden see, okay, well, now we have maybe a chance to sell our product overseas. Uh, we can be more competitive because our, because our cost is less. And uh, now we're, we're, we can compete with somebody that might be closer to the main, the other major ports, you know. So, so that's, that's a huge opportunity for main and main companies. And they've already started exploiting that and use, or using, not exploiting, that's not a correct word, but they've, they've already started uh, and seeing, they're seeing the benefits and are moving with us. Tell me what types of things you are bringing over from from Iceland or from Europe, and what types of things you're bringing over from Maine? What types of things are going back and forth? <clears throat> well, we do a lot of temperature-controlled cargo, and uh, most of the cargo, if we talk about inbound, then <clears throat> it's not just coming from Iceland. It's transatlantic freight. It's coming from Northern Europe. It's coming from Scandinavia. Uh, we do move quite a bit of, or a lot, uh, a large volume of, of of fish from Norway. Uh, we actually do move uh, a large volume of containers uh, that are filled with chocolate from Germany. Uh, we do move, uh, that's temperature controlled, so we go from minus, now I'm going to speak in Celsius, minus 24 degrees Celsius to, to uh, to uh, 14 degrees Celsius, so we can control the temperature in our containers. Uh, we do move quite a bit of water from Iceland. Uh, that is uh, two brands, uh, Iceland Glacial, Glacial and uh, Iceland Spring, I think they're uh, good volume. And then other, other goods. Um, we've been just now moving some uh, uh, equipment for the ski resorts around here been doing that for the past months uh, on every vessel so uh, equipment for breweries uh, and all the raw materials from Iceland that are going further down maybe further into Chicago and Ohio and we move that by rail from here so there's all kinds of products out of Maine uh, <coughs> Icelanders are buying starting to buy from Maine so We've seen a huge increase in that, and uh, and uh, uh, 
especially uh, the, the retail stores in Iceland, they're purchasing products here in Maine. They're purchasing from uh, wholesalers or from companies here. And uh, then we've been moving quite a bit of blueberries uh, just recently. I think it kind of, they, they were kind of, uh, I think the blueberry market is kind of, it fluctuates where they're selling the products, etc. But uh, uh, we have high hopes for that. Uh, Main blueberries are, of course, they're very good. I like them. Uh, uh, as well as, as, as other products from uh, Maine producers. Uh, I really don't want to talk about any company specifically or anything like that. But uh, we, see, we, see a steady, we see a steady growth. And, and today, to tell you the truth, these uh, last two weeks, we've been more or less swamped with read requests and, and, and questions about our services and it's, it's been re really busy, and we have really high hopes that, uh, that uh, the volumes out of Maine and into Maine for Maine companies will increase quite a bit in the next, uh, next months. Here on Love Maine Radio, we've long recognized the link between health and wealth. Here to speak more on the topic is Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. Wouldn't it be great if we could spend our days doing all the things we dreamed of while gazing up at the stars on a crystal clear night? Yet for most people, and I include myself in that group, the realities of daily living prevent it from happening. We all have responsibilities to our employers, our families, people who rely on us to be there for them. But what if you could get to a place where you're able to reinvent yourself and start a new journey that was more fulfilling? What if you could define what true north meant and find your star and start walking towards it? What if you had the money to embark on a second life because financial worry had fallen off your radar? This, my friends, is what I call the seventh state of your financial evolution. And while I'm certainly not there yet, I'm here to help you get there. It's time to evolve, get in touch with Shepherd Financial, and we'll help you evolve with your money. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Flagship Harbor Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Flagship Harbor Advisors and Shepherd Financial are separate entities from LPL Financial. Love Main Radio was brought to you by Bangor Savings Bank. For over 150 years, Bangor Savings has believed in the innate ability of the people of Maine to achieve their goals and dreams. Whether it's personal finance, business banking, or wealth management assistance you're looking for, at Bangor Savings Bank, you matter more. For more information, visit www.bangor.com. How does Maine compare to Iceland as far as the type of people living there, the climate? Uh, what is it about Maine that is so interesting to people from Iceland or people from Europe? Why would they buy things like blueberries or Maine products? The Maine blueberries, you know, if you try them, they kind of sell themselves, you know. You just have to get that first taste. Uh, they're absolutely fabulous. So. I mean, Imskib is, is not just an Icelandic company. We're Scandinavian. We're 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 in we're we're all over the world. Our offices are are in. We have offices in China. We have offices in Vietnam and all over Europe. In in Sweden, Denmark, 
in uh, in Norway. Uh, we have a large operation in Norway. Actually, we do operate vessels on the coast of Norway, all the way up to Russia, to Murmansk. Uh, we uh, go to we we have offices in the UK. We have offices in 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 Germany, in Belgium, in uh, Holland, in France, in Spain, in Italy, in Portugal, and I can keep on counting. So there's quite a bit of operation all over the world. Uh, of course, being from uh, or, or, or us being a Scandinavian company, really, I mean, more or European company and Scandinavian, is that, yes, Maine is attractive to us uh, after we have came here and, 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 and started to understand it. I mean, there's similarities. People are, people are close. I think they're, 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 compared to other states, maybe they're, 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 they're a little bit closer to us than, than somebody from maybe Texas, you know? Obviously, because you're closer, really, you are, and it's, you're in the North Atlantic. You're, you're used to a harsher environment, etc. So I think uh, that's that. Those are similarities that I, I think are uh, people are nice here. I really do think that uh, it's a great environment. Yeah. So that's that's basically I, basically I think that, that that connection is because of the ocean, because of being being in the north, used to the cold weather, you know, the ways that we do you how we make it nice, you know. Keep the lights up, and you know, and hot, and stove, and you know, and it's similar over there. So I think those are other similarities. You know, that's what if I can point some out. How has it been for you coming over here and working in Maine? For me, it's been great. I I actually moved from New York. I've been living I've been living in Long Island, New York, for uh, about uh, <clears throat> eight years, and. Um, so basically the move, meaning I didn't move from Europe, I didn't come from Iceland directly into Maine, but the, the, the transition, the change to come up here from, from New York was, 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 was really, it was interesting and I really liked it. I think uh, the city surprised me. Uh, I wasn't expecting such a lively place really. Uh, the restaurants here, and I need to explore more of the culture. And of course, I've only been here a year and a half or something like that. So, and most of the time, it's been focused on work. So, still, still, we've been we've we've been uh, we've had the pleasure of enjoying uh, enjoying the the great culture and the great restaurants in in Maine and uh, and in Portland, especially. And um, you know, skiing and the outdoors a little bit. So, well, we appreciate the work that you're doing um, to help our main economy, which I know is only going to be helpful to the economy of Iceland, Scandinavia, and the other ports of call around the world that you've described Aimskip being involved with. Um, how can people find out about Aimskip and the work that you're doing? We've been fortunate that we've been in the news quite a bit over here, and so companies have seen us and uh, people have seen what uh, what we're about but we've 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 been active in in uh, getting our word out uh, we've had uh, absolute fantastic support from Mitzi from uh, the port authority from the governor 
uh, from the city of Portland, all over. It's all every everything has been positive. Individuals that have been working really hard within those organizations that have done a fantastic job of getting 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 us uh, established or out there, and <clears throat> things like what's happening in regards to, for example, the. Uh, in Mitzi, uh, with uh, yeah, well, there's a the North main, Atlantic main Development, North Atlantic Development Office. Absolutely, the North yes. Atlantic Development Office uh, is 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 working at uh, looking at a lot of opportunities for main businesses in the North Atlantic. There's a lot of things that people don't know that are all opening up and and uh, happening in the North Atlantic. It's not just cold and uh, and and gloomy, you know. So there's there's business opportunities there, and uh, so so that and uh, and trade missions uh, to Europe and to to Iceland to uh, to uh, to the UK. Uh, we were participants in that, and other things that have happened. We we for example last year we we threw a a little bit of a Christmas party. We decided to uh, <clears throat> we decided to have a Christmas party on I think it was the middle of November and the date was the sixth of December and we had three hundred people. Uh, we were we 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 decided to support uh, the Center for Grieving Children. Uh, we were able then to raise about thirty five to forty thousand dollars for the Center for Grieving Children, party of three hundred uh, people and took took a lot of effort for a few days, two weeks actually, to plan all this. We uh, and, it, and it worked perfectly. Uh, we are doing the same on the 12th of December. We're actually having uh, a party for our customers and for uh, not only our customers but but customers of our, our vendors and uh, customers that and people in the in the area. Uh, of course, by invitation, so it's not an open party, but. Uh, uh, we call it a party. It, it is a party. We're trying to have fun and uh, at the same time uh, give back to the community. And uh, Aimskip does that everywhere. Uh, we we do that very strongly in Iceland, and we we've we've started doing that here. And uh, we have high hopes for this year uh, in in regards to the money we'll raise for for the charity. Peter, I'm really impressed with the work that Aimskip is doing and the work that you've been doing. People who would like to read more about Aimskip can read the article by Sophie Nelson in Old Port Magazine, which is Commerce, Culture, and Connection. Icelandic shipping company Aimskip makes Portland its North American home and Maine shifts its view to the North Atlantic. So I hope people will take the time to do that and to find out more about the work that you're doing. Um, as someone who's lived in Maine a long time, I really appreciate all of the opportunities that you're bringing to our state, and I hope that our state can continue to reciprocate. Um, thanks so much for coming in and being on Love, Maine Radio. We've been speaking with Peter Peterson, Skip's Portland Station Manager. Thank you. As a physician and small business owner, I rely on Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy. When was the last time you took a break from what you were doing, from the work that was piled up on your desk, and just looked up? I know that during the course of my days, I often forget to take a moment or two to just breathe, look up at the sky, and dream. 
terrible that I have to remind myself to breathe, but when I do, I feel energized because in those moments, I'm able to let go of the daily grind and think more about what I want to accomplish, how I want my business to grow. Sometimes those are the aha moments. If we all took a few moments out each day to stop what we're doing and dream a little about our business futures, not only would we feel a great sense of calm, but we may come to realize that these dreams can, in fact, come true. I'm Marcy Booth. Let's talk about the changes you need. BoothMaine.com This segment of Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Those of us who have lived in Maine for a while, or even haven't lived in Maine for very long, are interested in ways in which we can uh, put push Maine out there as a wonderful place to live, a great place to raise a family, and also a place to have a sustainable life, meaning a job um, and a worthwhile career. In the Love Maine Radio studio today, we have Janine Carey, who is President and State Director of International Trade at the Maine International Trade Center, and Dana Eidsness, who is the Director of the Maine North Atlantic Development Office. We're really grateful that you took the time out of your busy schedules to come in and talk to us today. And I'm particularly fascinated because even though I am a doctor and I think about health and wellness from a sort of a body-focused way, really in order to have a well life, a healthy life, you have to have a good job. You have to be able to live in a sustainable way in wherever you are. And we're talking about Maine, and both of you are very interested in this and also interested in what this means as far as outreach, how we are connecting with other parts of the world in order to make it possible to live in a sustainable way within our state. So Janine, let me talk first with you. What does it mean to be the um, president and state director of international trade at the Maine International Trade Center? What is it that your role entails? Sure. Well, I think that you addressed some of that in terms of connectivity with global markets. Um, We basically at the Trade Center help main companies connect, whether it's on the import side, the export side. We work also in terms of business attraction and investment. Uh, One of our new initiatives in the last few years is Invest in Maine, so getting Maine on the map in terms of overseas markets. And then we also have um, Study Maine, which is about international student attraction. So if you add all of those up, it really is all about Uh, basically getting Maine recognized as a global player on the economic side and also as an important place uh, in terms of representing the U.S. and being open to international groups. Dana, you've been in your position for about a year now. What is it that you do as the director of the Maine North Atlantic Development Office, and how is this related to the work that Janine is doing? Well, it's similar in some ways, but I get to focus on a region, which is what I love about my job at this point, because I'm focusing on Northern Europe, the Nordic countries, Eastern Canada, Iceland, and Greenland. So what I really like about this position is it enables me to develop relationships in each of these places and then return to them 
you know, for instance, we were just invited to uh, a conference in Reykjavik, Iceland, um, invited by the gov the um, excuse me the president of Iceland, President Grimson. And at that conference, um, you know, I, I met with people I've been corresponding with for the past year, and can now actually call the past prime minister of Greenland a, a friend, someone who cares deeply about doing business with Maine, wants to see success. Uh, so it's these types of relationships that I'm building. What's a little bit different about my program is, you know, I, I am working to increase trade and investment activity between Maine and the North Atlantic region, but I'm also um, working to define Maine's space in the conversation about Arctic affairs. Um, you know, you, you may hear in the news that um, climate change is very real and the Arctic ice is melting rapidly, which is making um, mineral deposits, oil and gas reserves that were inaccessible before, now quite accessible. So there's a bit of a rush um, to go after these natural resources. Where I see Maine in this situation is, you know, logistically we're in a good place to serve uh, any projects that are going on. We have um, climate science to contribute from our universities, and we have companies that have expertise in things like um, technologies for harsh weather environments, that sort of thing. So I'm working to connect Maine companies with some of the infrastructure projects that are going on. Janine, how is Maine viewed by the world? What is your impression of um, the brand that Maine puts out there? Well, I think it depends on what part of the world you're talking about. Um, certainly we have some recognition in Europe, particularly Northern Europe. Uh, a lot of that is because of old trade lanes and our roots. Um, so typically they know uh, if you go over to Europe and particularly um, UK markets, as I said, Northern European markets, they'll know New England, uh, they'll know New York, they'll know Boston, and generally what I have to say is we're about two hours north of Boston for our, our largest city. Um, there is recognition um, for Maine lobster. I, I mean, all the things we talk about, there's recognition on the tourism side. Um, there's not a lot of recognition on what are our, some of our major industry areas. Um, when you go to Asia um, and Latin America, even less. In fact, I've had sometimes people ask me if Maine is a province of Canada. So um, you have to always start out with the base um, thought that there's not a lot um, that comes with the name Maine yet. Um, it really, a lot of that depends on how much marketing has gone on to date in terms of usually tourism, food products, things like that. Um, but usually we're starting fairly from scratch, which actually can be pretty refreshing as well. In our discussion with Peter Peterson from Aimskip, uh, it was clear that one of the reasons that they were, that company was attracted to Portland as a port was economic, that its Maine is closer, it, it actually is costing less to get goods back and forth. Um, so there was some very real strategic uh, reasons for locating here. This is something that you alluded to, old trade routes. This is something that we have had in the past. We have been connected with the rest of the world previously um, in ways that maybe people from Maine don't understand. Sure. I mean, I think that 
a few things when you're talking about economic. I also think that people like John Henshaw at Maine Port Authority did a great job in terms of developing that port and having it ready and turnkey for a shipping line like Ameskip to come in. So you you do have to have, you know, the infrastructure in place to accommodate trade. And I would say that for a few years in there, we had let some of that infrastructure, you know, go awry or not be uh, putting money and resources into that. I think that was a turning point. Um, I also think that, yes, as things were getting more expensive at some of the other uh, ports and as they will start uh, building up again now that we're getting further away from the financial crisis, um, you're going to have a lot of congestion in some of the uh, ports to the south of us. And that made it a much more attractive alternative when um, Ameskip was out looking and you know we were courting a number of different um, groups to be looking at the the port and what we have for capacities here. Dana, what did you do before you became the director of the Maine North Atlantic Development Office? Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, I grew up in Maine, and I, I have worked at the Maine International Trade Center before. I joke that this is my third tour at the Trade Center. <laughs> so I worked there years ago as a trade specialist um, and then went on to work for the Maine Manufacturing Extension Partnership and then returned to the Trade Center and ran the, um, it was the Lewis and Auburn Regional Office at that time, um, and then went to Vermont, and I was actually the state trade director in the state of Vermont. Um, did some other things between then and now, including running a nonprofit. So just when this opportunity came up, it, um, it was very appealing. Again, this, the, the regional focus was very appealing to me. And the reason that I ask this is because we talk about Maine's lumber, blueberries, lobster, but we also have Maine people. And you, as you said, you grew up in Maine. You have been, you know, you have a BA in international studies. Um, you've stu- you have studied Chinese language. I mean, you've been to other parts of the world, yet you came back to Maine to, um, to try to globalize the state. And this is important for people to understand, that they don't have to get an education somewhere else and then leave. They can come back and work here and succeed. Right. Well, I think the foundation for my my international interests started here in Maine. I went to Portland High School and um, just was exposed to a lot of international information. I took several languages while I was there. Chinese was my favorite, so that's the one I stuck with. Um, I was able to take international history courses. Um, So it really started here, and I think, um, you know, certainly at that time in the 80s, there was a large international population at Portland High School, which got me interested about other places as well. Um, and you know, my family is here too. So I did go to school in California, but came back because I missed my family. My mom still lives on Monjoy Hill in the apartment where I grew up, and my sister's on the West End. So, And Janine, you've also been affiliated with Maine for quite some time. Tell me about yes. your background. Well, I am technically an import, <laughs> as, as I qualify myself. But, um, yeah, we basically, I grew up in um, northern coastal Massachusetts um, and uh, had been coming up to Maine quite a bit with my husband, whose family had um, been coming here for many years, um, had a place out on Peaks Island. 
So after living kind of the rat race for in Bo downtown Boston for a while, um, and we were ready to make a change, uh, once he was out of school, uh, we kind of decided let's make it a go for it in Maine. Um, he did have a job, so that was uh, good at the time, and that I was the unknown and had been actually involved in international trade in Boston before. So it was a little bit challenging back then to find companies that, you know, really there were only the large companies like the L.L. Beans and Cole Haan of the time. I remember applying to all of them. Mm -hmm. um, and wondering if I was going to be able to land something that utilized my background and skills, which at that time were focused mostly around Europe, and I was working for an Italian import company, um, and just ended up, that was right when we started to have more and more of the seafood industry that was uh, going global and um, fell into a seafood export company that was looking to grow in Europe. So it was a great fit. and. I grew along with them in terms of uh, their outreach in China. We were probably one of the first um, into China on on the U.S. side, um, certainly on the East Coast side. And so, really, I developed my skills hands-on in in those markets. Um, I had studied in France for a while at the Sorbonne, and so I had comfort level in terms of continental Europe to start with. Um, but. There's so much more going on now that's been really, really fun watching. I've been in Maine over 25 years now and, you know, watching the transition of us just getting so much more globally active right down to the small uh, enterprises out there that are even just startups that they, they look at the global market right from the beginning. And that wasn't the same uh, 20 years ago. You raise a really important point, and that is that the, the trailing spouse, and I believe that that's the official term, is the trailing spouse, um, the spouse of the person who has gotten a job in Maine, it, it often presents an issue. I know in medicine and in law, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you get a job here, what happens to the person that comes with you? Um, and in generating jobs for Maine that are more global, you are going to be able to um, help that aspect of the economy as well. So you've been able to experience this from sort of from the beginning when there weren't as many of that type of job for the trailing spouse. Right. And it is, it still is a challenge um, on our Invest in Maine initiative. You know, when we're talking to companies like an Aimskip or a Molnica or a lot of the international companies that have come and um, set up shop here, um, we actually work with them quite a bit, or we get called on quite a bit with that trailing spouse issue, and even asking us about educational systems and where are you know their enclaves that are more um, open to international um, students coming in, and you want it to be a good fit, um, and then you know what are the opportunities and. The nice thing is, most of the time, the these, at least the companies we're working with, the spouses have lived in different places overseas, have really some great skill sets, and so um, it's a challenge. But I think that actually we're going in a really good direction in terms of having more diversity in in jobs for for you know trailing spouses and opportunities for the um, students that come in. 
And education is an important piece. Um, earlier this fall, I worked with CIEE and wrote a piece about CIEE, which is located a few blocks down from us here in Portland. Um, and that, that global connection that is being made between um, students and teachers and um, Maine and really all parts of the world. So even in global education, Maine is becoming a leader. Yeah, we have definitely our... Um, Academies and some of our secondary schools are getting more and more um, diverse and actually reaching out and bringing in international student populations. And I think that, you know, Dana was talking about Portland, which is truly uh, diverse um, and hasn't really had to do a lot of outreach. But once you start getting to more rural communities, um, that happens. And it's just, I think, wonderful in terms of. Um, students, particularly in rural communities, that then suddenly have their eyes open and are meeting people from all different parts of the world, and suddenly the world seems much smaller, and that uh, you always will have those contacts to be able to go and, and visit, or you may at some point choose to do some studies there, and it's um, starting it young, I think, is probably one of the most important things that we do in terms of as a whole economy feeling comfortable in a global marketplace. I don't know if you want to add on your experiences there, Dana. But Well, I mean, I'm just thinking about the, uh, the group that's coming from Iceland in, a, in May of next year. We've got a group of 50 MBA students from Reykjavik University coming. And it's interesting how that came about. Um, actually, the, the head of the student group that's planning this trip is the president's cousin. <laughs> so it was through some relationships that we developed in Iceland that, that this came about. But I think the reason they're looking at Maine is because it's an appealing place um, to set up a potential um, educational exchange. Um, they like the feel of Portland. They like the, uh, the, like the urban feeling of Portland um, and the ability to have like an outdoor healthy lifestyle in Maine um, so it's very easy for us to have connections with folks in a place like Iceland and I think that's true of a lot of places I think in terms of the younger students when parents are looking for a place to send their kids to school um, they'll look at Maine and it's it's a good choice it's a safe place to send their kids um, they know they'll be well educated and um, they'll get lots of fresh air and outdoor time. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines, carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention, focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled, you need attention, advice, and individual care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be. Experience chef and owner Harding Lee Smith's newest hit restaurant, Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room, Maine seafood at its finest. Joining sister restaurants The Front Room, The Grill Room, and The Corner Room, this newly renovated two-story restaurant at 86 Commercial Street on Custom House Wharf overlooks scenic Portland Harbor, 
Watch Lobstermen bring in the daily catch as you enjoy baked stuffed lobster, raw bar, and wood-fired flatbreads. For more information, visit www.theroomsportland.com. I'm thinking about my own daughter who's 13 and she has, the other day she was looking at her Instagram account and she was looking at the weather and she's saying, well, I know the weather in Miami is this and New York is this. So even through social media and through staying connected with friends that our children make even at a very young age, we're starting to understand that the world is much smaller than we thought and we can feel, we can feel, we can relate ourselves to people who are living elsewhere. That must actually come in handy as you're trying to promote Maine throughout um, throughout the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a lot of um, hope, and also uh, really feel strongly that this that the younger generation that's coming in right now um, is very much more globally oriented. Um, I can remember when I first used to go out and talk in schools, as I do quite often at a lot of different levels, you know, first question I would ask is, you know, how many here have been out of the state? How many here have been out of the country? And you'd have very few hands raised. And it still is, you know, quite expensive. However, you know, our proximity to Canada, um, as you go further north and west, those hands raise for a lot of the, and even the Canadian travel, I often say to people, um, I remember one time uh, when we were throwing out just create one of those brainstorming crazy ideas that every junior in the state of Maine should at least go to Canada once. You know, that like this is a low-hanging fruit of an international experience and you go to, to downtown Quebec City and you know you're in a different country <laughs> in a different language in a different feel and you know that's um, our number one trading partner and our number one investor and about 30 percent of the population has some Canadian um, French Canadian actually lineage so um, I think that the internet has had such a huge influence on um, our kids and the laptop initiative, having every kid having access to that, um, no matter what economic background they're from, um, really has made a change in terms, I've seen the change in, in um, kids around the state, and you can't think that Portland is representative of so many parts of this state. So it's really been wonderful, you know, to see that evolution over a very short period of time. Yeah, I have a seventh grader who was just issued a laptop and she was keeping me updated on volcanic activity in Iceland while I was over there. So that was all thanks to the laptop. One of the other things I always say uh, along with this laptop initiative is it actually um, forced our teachers into the 21st century. And that suddenly, you know, a kid's pulling up, you know, information on a topic and the world is his or her oyster in terms of what information is relevant to what, you know, we're talking about. And it also, you know, really, I think, opened up an avenue for a lot of our teachers in terms of doing research on the internet, becoming internet savvy, um, connecting, and then we are—we have a very um, strong internship program at the Trade Center, I think probably one of the more robust ones in the state of Maine. 
And I still remember when we would get, um, sometimes we would get uh, interns from overseas, and their internet skills were so much worse than our main students. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, you know, now that's caught up obviously, over time, but I particularly remember some French students coming over, and we had to train them how to do how to do research on the internet, and even some of the elementary things, because they were one of the later com- countries to actually embrace it, and I said, that's, I was another wake-up call of this initiative, and the fact that our kids are so well-versed on it, um, now we all take it more for granted, but it was really a, a game changer and really gave some um, initial um, advantage to the students coming out of it. And I think that the, that you're just seeing more and more of that playing a role. We're almost in 2015, and I know that there are a lot of interesting things have been happening in um, the global trade and the North Atlantic trade areas. Can you talk to me a little bit about that, Dana? Yeah, some of the the things coming up in 2015 um, on the North Atlantic front are um, we'll be looking at some trade shows, um, probably for offshore energy companies for the most part um, in eastern Canada and in um, potentially in in northern Europe as well. Um, We'll be looking to put together a procurement program where we are... um, looking for tendering opportunities in uh, Newfoundland, Labrador, and Greenland, um, and specifically looking for opportunities for Maine businesses to supply the Thule Air Base in Greenland. Um, and we'll be you know, identifying these opportunities and getting them out to businesses throughout the state and then providing some counseling to help them make these connections and, and make this business happen. There's some interesting activity going on through the North Atlantic Development Office where, um, again, as I said, we're working to define main space in Arctic affairs and, and how to be a part of that conversation. Um, we've been working with the Arctic Council, which is the intergovernmental forum that looks at what's going on in the Arctic and addresses issues like climate change, um, environmental stewardship, shipping, um, because with the ice melting, it's you know creating more passable waterways over the Northwest Passage. You know, how do we deal with that responsibly? Um, so there are a lot of things going on within the Arctic Council, and the U.S. is taking over the chairmanship of the Arctic Council in 2015. So Maine will be participating in this through a working group called the Protection of the Arctic Marine Environment Working Group. So I will sit on that working group and um, will bring in Maine resources as appropriate. Um, as things come up with that. Um, There's also another um, organization that's sort of an offshoot of the Arctic Council, which is the Arctic Economic Council, and that's where that forum is looking to the Arctic Economic Council, um, which is made up of businesses um, from all of the Arctic countries, and um, looking to plant some main businesses within that so that they can advise on things like infrastructure projects, um, responsible shipping, um, environmental issues, climate science, those sorts of things. And those are areas where I think Maine has a lot to offer. Well, that, that there's a lot. That's a lot going on in 2015. Um, anything that you would add, Janine? Um, well, we'll be also active in a number of other markets outside of the North Atlantic. Um, we have a 
at least two food initiatives that are coming up. We actually have a main pavilion coming up at the Fancy Food Show in San Francisco, which has a large Pacific Rim buyer's mission coming in as part of that. Um, so equally equal opportunity to outreach both on the national market and international markets. Uh, we'll have a presence at the Brussels Seafood Show, which is a very important one for the state of Maine, particularly with lobster and our um, seafood exports. On the life sciences, we are having a booth at the Arab Health Show in Dubai, uh, another growing market um, in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and the Middle East in general, and um, have quite a few medical products companies that are growing there. And um, we'll, I'm sure, be announcing a trade mission um, over the next 12 months. It hasn't been discussed yet uh, where exactly we'll be surveying uh, companies in terms of their activities and watching some trade flows. So more to come. How can people find out more about the Maine International Trade Center and the Maine North Atlantic Development Office? Well, it's all listed on the website, uh, which is mitc.com. And uh, we also have a investinmain.net website uh, for business attraction, if people are involved in that, and a studymain.net website, which lists all of the high schools and colleges that are involved in terms of international student attraction. So those are our three primary vehicles, and the North Atlantic Development Office is, um, has its own um, section within the MITC website. Well, I'm excited about all the things that you've been describing. I'm really proud to be um, a citizen of the state of Maine, to have my family from this state. I know that if this is the work that you're both doing is only going to serve to benefit um, my family, other Maine families, and to really contribute to wellness. So it's, I think, appropriate that you'd be a part of Love Maine Radio. We've been speaking with Janine Carey, who is the president and state director of international trade at the Maine International Trade Center and Dana Eidsness, who is the director of the Maine North Atlantic Development Office. Thank you for coming in, and thank you for the good work you're doing. Thank you. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. You have been listening to Love, Maine Radio, show number 168, Maine, Iceland, and the World Beyond. Our guests have included Peter Peterson, Janine Carey, and Dana Eidsness. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit lovemainradio.com or read about them in the winter issue of Old Port Magazine. Love Main Radio is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Love Main Radio Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter as Dr. Lisa and see my running, travel, food, and wellness photos as Bountiful One on Instagram. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of Love Main Radio. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring Love, Maine Radio to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. I hope that you have enjoyed our Maine, Iceland, and the World Beyond show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. Love, Maine Radio is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Hardingly Smith of The Rooms, and Bangor Savings Bank. Love, Maine Radio with Dr. Lisa Belisle is recorded in the studio of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, 
Susan Grisanti, and Dr. Lisa Belial. Our assistant producer is Leanne Wiemet. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Our online editor is Kelly Clinton. Love Main Radio is available for download free on iTunes. See the Love Main Radio Facebook page or www.lovemainradio.com for details. Thank you.